Welcome back, everyone. We're Simply Bitcoin. We break down the news, the daily fail, meme review, software releases, hardware releases, and the pleb sites. Joining us today, return guest, very special guest, fellow Bitcoiner, and chief strategy officer at the Human Rights Foundation. I'm talking about Alex Gladstein. Alex, it's a pleasure to have you back again. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me back, guys. All right, here we go. We are diving into the numbers. Let's do it, Nico. Number time. Brought to you by Noddle. They make some of the best Bitcoin nodes, like the Noddle Dojo. It's in red. That means it's faster. Run your own version of Bitcoin Core and the Lightning Network, all in the comfort of your own home. Remember, guys, if you don't run your own Bitcoin node, you're using someone else's. That's a big no-no for privacy. So get yourself a Bitcoin node noddle today at the time of this recording the block height is 736,114 the bitcoin price 28,390 chain rewrite day 724 total public lightning capacity 3,794.1 i'm pretty sure that's a new all-time high definitely bigger than yesterday anyways Moscow time, 3522 blocks to the halving, 103,886. And the Samurai Whirlpool unspent capacity. Samurai Whirlpool is a coin join or collaborative spend. It is not a mixing service. And the unspent capacity of that pool is 4,677.77 BTC. Nico, the uneventful numbers. The numbers, man. It's, a, it's another good day to stack. Anyways, I picked a very interesting topic today to talk about during the number time we've been covering this right as you know events transpired we, we we've come to this conclusion that there's clearly a combined effort worldwide to attack proof of work you see that in european politicians they put out a vote it failed in new york state it looks like they're having a little bit more success so i'm gonna i'm gonna read a tweet real quick to got, kind of give a little bit of context but we all we we want to ask we want to take advantage of the fact that alex is on the show we want to ask him what his opinion is on that so let me pull it let me pull it up so I tweeted this not too long ago. I said, have you noticed that every single new political attack on Bitcoin's proof of work also mentions the alternative proof of stake is a better solution, right? And just to kind of give you guys a couple of examples, right? They uh, the, the Senate had an oversight committee on this. It was literally called cleaning up cryptocurrency. Uh, EU security regulators recommends ban on proof of work. It even went to a vote. Thankfully, that failed, right? Proposed ban on proof of work in New York State that actually went through. And of course, you know, the World Economic Forum and, you know, there are many, many tweets and videos, right? The famous one where Bitcoin's going to consume more energy than exists by the year 2022. They ended up being wrong on that. So, Alex, you know, the first couple times we're like, this is maybe this is a coincidence. Maybe these people are uninformed. But over time, it starts to be it started to become clear to us that. We believe, at least, and maybe, you know, maybe we're being a little bit paranoid. I think Bitcoiners are, are paranoid by nature because they're so used to being attacked. Is this a combined effort? Is this is this an attack on proof of work? Is it malicious? Is it on purpose? Uh, well, some of it certainly is coordinated and paid for by companies like Ripple, who issue their own altcoins or whatever. That's... Um, very clear and obvious and they've been able to sadly convince a lot of people uh to jump on their train um convince might be a euphemism sometimes they pay them to jump on their train with them they still have a lot of money even though their token is is careening you know over time towards zero uh let's not forget they were at one point on paper uh, richer than bezos or something crazy like that right 
um, several years ago. So the problem is these folks are, they still have huge amounts of um, fiat dollar capacity to, to burn on campaigns like this. And their only hope is to, is to criticize proof of work as um, dangerous so that they can promote their own project. Um, that goes for both the shitcoiners and the central bankers. I mean, they, they, they're both promoting their own version as better, right, than Bitcoin. So I think we can expect the attacks on proof of work and on Bitcoin as wasteful and unnecessary to just accelerate. Um, I think the good news is that over time, as more and more people look at Bitcoin more deeply, they're, they're going to start to understand that that's mostly nonsense. Um, like, yes, of course, Bitcoin is going to use more energy in the future, but that's not a bad thing. If you actually look at it in the total sum of what it's doing, um, it's a very good use of energy, in my opinion, uh, and electricity. And it, it provides enormous value for like tens of millions of people around the world. Um, so, you know, that's going to be something that you just see intensify. I don't think it's all like directed by one shadowy group. I, I think it's generally speaking, the establishment, um, is, uh, already a, a willing ally. Like they're already happy to, if, if you ask anybody who works at a major bank or a central bank or a Davos type organization, like, hey, hey, would you promote this like attack on Bitcoin for me? They're going to be like, of course. I mean, they, they don't they don't need uh, you know any additional uh, co- coercion or or persuasion to do so. Um, and I, I do think this will be the big um, the big narrative battle for a while uh, is going to be this. And it's I wouldn't say it's the last one. I still think we're going to have one around privacy and um, KYC, AML, that sort of thing. But that that seems to have taken a backseat to the environment piece. Um, which of course will, will intensify during bull market periods of Bitcoin. You know, right now people are like, whatever. Um, but, but when Bitcoin starts to, you know, starts to more visibly succeed in the eyes of the mainstream media, that's when they go on the attack. Right. So, so we saw this all last year, like the New York times saying, oh, we've heard Bitcoin's going to switch to proof of stake, stuff like that. They had to retract that because that was was wrong. Um, but you know, I think that this is, this is the attack vector that they're going to go after. Thankfully, it's also the like attack vector that's that's not going to go anywhere. Like they're not going to stop people from mining Bitcoin globally. Um, and honestly, they don't have a whole, like they being Ripple obviously has an interest, but like U.S. jurisdictions don't necessarily have an interest. In fact, a lot of U.S. jurisdictions have an interest in incentivizing or subsidizing mining in their areas or districts or states. So, I mean, I think that you know we're in this interesting time where. You might have the Biden administration or Treasury come after Bitcoin in the coming year or two, but starting like in about a year, uh, in about a year, year and a half, like summer twenty twenty three, everybody's going to think be thinking about the twenty twenty four elections. So I think even if we have like some like draconian laws put in place around um, uh, non custodial use of Bitcoin or God knows what else, uh, mining, mining with a particular kind of energy you may start to see those start to change or be walked back before the 2024 general. Like if you've got somebody like Trump, um, who, who knows, he may start to buy into this uh, party line that's being parroted by an increasing number of Republicans that basically Bitcoin is, 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 a, is a good thing for Americans. Um, who knows if he starts doing that, then I don't know. I, I 
I, I see this as a thing that like in the future, you're not going to be want to be, you're not going to want to be anti-Bitcoin, like from a, from a electoral, from a democratic perspective, from an electoral perspective, that's going to be a losing proposition in my opinion, just based on trends of the number of sheer number of Americans that own Bitcoin and that, that will continue to buy Bitcoin and use it. Um, that seems like a losing proposition, which, which is good for America and, and, and makes us diametrically opposed to China where the communist party doesn't have to have elections. They don't give a shit about what its people think. They don't have to. They don't care. They're dictators. So I think it gives America like a very interesting um, mechanism uh, for change. And it gives me a little bit of hope that we'll we'll be able to fight through this. But the, the short answer is yes, It's this all this stuff is definitely an attack on Bitcoin. Well, it's good to hear, man. Uh, you confirm what, you know, two plebs on Twitter, you know, came to that conclusion ourselves. And it's interesting because you're mirroring or you're basically saying something similar to what NVK, uh, you know, the founder of, of CoinKite said when he came on the show, which is, yeah, in, 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 in democracies specifically, it's going to be extremely unpopular to go against Bitcoin. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you guys are, you know, basically saying the same thing. Eventually, eventually. Like, yeah. It takes time. Um, but it's going to happen, you know, gradually, then suddenly, like 2024. But I think by the time the 2028 election is upon us, like it, I'm assuming it's going to be like political suicide to be like super anti-Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Well, any Phil, you want to add to that? I was just going to say, you know, time is definitely on our side. And, you know, we just had two, you know, two politicians, well, two aspiring politicians join us and they are, quote unquote, Bitcoin friendly. Uh, I put that in quotes because politics. So I, I don't like to place too much importance on it. The, sure. only, the only other little piece that I wanted to add um, about the attacks on proof of work is that consensus is attempting to work with the World Economic Forum for a CBDC design paper as well, right? They presented some paper um, regarding this and we actually covered it on the fail. And it's absolutely horrendous, right? They obviously bash proof of work. They barely mention Bitcoin in any way, shape or form. And all they do essentially is it's a giant marketing ploy as to why proof of of stake and why we should be involved in this so it, it's really scary stuff and and unfortunately they have the they have the funds and they've got the the eyeballs for now anyways absolutely anyways phil that's a good time for the daily fail brought to you by swan check them out swanbitcoin.com that's right it is a dca platform where the plebs can stack and it's by fellow plebs and they're going to have an app soon. Automated Bitcoin savings plans, instant purchases. The link is down below. That's right. We keep getting tagged in more Luna garbage as the debacle that is Luna is falling apart. So we're going to dive into this, this latest article, which covers something else that's happened with Luna. This is May 12th, 2022, right? Today, Luna issuer Terra halts blockchain after week of losses. Hmm. Interesting. Super, de super decentralized, bro. <laughs> so it's interesting that you bring that up, Nico, because we have a we have a comment from one of our from one of our viewers. Maybe it's even my doppelganger. I'm not sure. But here we go. The Luna governance token and several algorithmic stable coins. The price of Luna fell too low to prevent the governance attacks, citing Luna inflation as one factor. Luna fell in price from nearly $120 in early April to between one and two cents on Thursday. So no transactions with UST, Luna or Terra's other cryptocurrencies can be processed. 
Token holders will have to wait for the blockchain to restart. This brings us to Copernicus's comment. He, he asked us about this today. He goes, good morning, Simply Bitcoin. Can you please spend the next fail segment explaining to us how this shitcoin was ever decentralized? Note, they confirmed that they are not centralized and are, in fact, a decentralized shitcoin. So you can use that as a reason. Go. Okay, so I did some digging. Here's how they're decentralized. <laughs> Went, found their, their, the, uh, their docs, right? The Terra docs. They've got an active validator set of up to 130 validators. And these validators hold the most Luna. So there you go. There's an argument for decentralization. And it's trustless. That's pretty much all we've got. <laughs> That's pretty much all we've got. But the thing that we know for sure, the thing that we know absolutely is, is that they were able to stop the blockchain today, this decentralized organization was able to stop it. So that obviously makes no sense. Copernicus and unfortunate, I can't pronounce your name, even though you're supposedly me and I'm you. I can't tell you why it's decentralized because it's not. Okay. So I, I'm sorry. I failed at the fail. I can't do it. Um, somebody else, interestingly enough, a shitcoiner did bring up this chart, which I think is pretty funny. Um, and it just goes to illustrate how much bigger these scams are getting. Okay, this is from At Trustless State. The 2022 collapse of Luna superimposed over the 2018 collapse of BitConnect. Take it a look. This is it, it dwarfs it, man, by yeah. magnitudes. This is insane. Completely, completely insane. Okay. Now, before I finish this off, I just want to finish this off, the, the Luna segment, of course, with just a quick tweet from Adam back. Okay? Of course, we got to go see, because Adam always has great wisdom. <laughs> we just got to go check it out. Really sorry for those who lost in Terra money, Luna, UST, DeFi. Please learn Ponzi risk warnings are volunteer education for public safety. Don't be fooled by maximalist retorts of promoters. It's a marketing pitch from Ponzi promoters to take your money. And guys, this is what we've been telling you all along. Adam Back is one of the original people cited in the Bitcoin white paper. Now, I'm not saying that that's some, you know, oh, you know, believe his creds. No, believe his work. He has proof of work. There's actual work that's in this. This guy understands this very well. So if he's saying something like this, quite possibly, quite possibly, it's worth a little bit more than a grain of salt. And just maybe you should dig into it and not let yourself get rug pulled. Alex, let me ask you, have you been following the debacle that is Luna? And, and if so, um, what are your thoughts for the listeners? Well, it's really funny because uh, uh, two years ago, go um i just want to try to pull up this tweet uh i i i actually got into like a back and forth about luna with this guy whose handle is he blocked me so i don't <laughs> qwqiao -Q um he's some prominent kind of uh you know crypto crypto guy and in the summer of 2020 um we got into an argument over luna like and and back then nobody cared about luna or whatever but he was trying to claim that it had like massive adoption in korea or whatever and i was just like uh, I, I was like nah dude and he's deleted all of his tweets but um 
it's interesting to go back to that and um that it's just this glimmer of the future and um yeah i mean look i, I it's it, as even people who are not maximalists and will say it's the most a devastating collapse in cryptocurrency history essentially i mean it, it, we've never seen a top 10 asset before go to zero so fast um and it's true you're right that um it's kind of amazing uh the quality of quality i guess we call the quality into question but the let's say the fame and prominence of the investors that were involved like that were like like all, like all the mainstream kind of silicon valley wall street crypto firms were like investing in this project and remember there was talk like two days ago of them coming in with like a bailout guess the bailout didn't happen uh yeah so i don't know i think it was also interesting because there was this whole back and forth in march right over like isn't it a big deal that they're buying all this bitcoin and it was an interesting period of time i think um you had uh a couple people prominent people on 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 Bitcoin Twitter basically saying it's a big deal. Um, and then you had other people saying it's not a big deal for different reasons. There's a huge dispute. Um, so I think it's good to revisit that. Uh, and my personal opinion is that, I, I, look, I believe in hyper-Bitcoinization over time. So in the far future or whatever, I believe that Bitcoin will be the pristine financial collateral for all, all economic markets, essentially. Like it'll take the role, not just in the crypto space, but in the the world global space of what the U.S. dollar and the Treasury do today, which is act as kind of a pristine financial collateral of last resort. Like countries today run out of money when they when they run out of money, what they're really doing is they're running out of dollars and they can't print dollars. So they can print their own money, of course, but they can't print dollars. So this is why you see countries like Sri Lanka collapse. This was the whole story behind the Asian financial crisis. Like all those countries lost dollars and then they lost the peg to the dollar and they started printing their own currency and it, it goes to zero. And, and this is similar to what happened with Luna. The, the supply of Luna increased from 386 million to 7 billion in just two days. So, you know, you had hyperinflation of Luna based on the, the, the mechanism, the broken mechanism that, that they tried to pack it up by. But basically, I guess what I'm saying is that I, I think in the far future, all, all things, companies, um, crypto projects, um, trash altcoins, whatever, they're all going to trend towards some sort of reliance or relationship on Bitcoin, whether they denominate themselves in sats, whether they save in sats as the ultimate savings account. Um, and obviously the Luna thing was like uh, a, not, not a, I would say a particularly uh, hilarious interpretation of that, but I think it's a tremor of what's going to happen in the future. Meaning like if you're some trash altcoin promoter in two years, you're probably not going to be saving in some other crypto. Like you're probably going to be saving at as a company in, 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 in either the dominant fiat currency or in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So I guess my theory or thesis here is that you're going to continue to see all kinds of companies that and organizations, including nation states, by the way, which have armies and kill people, you're going to start seeing them adopt Bitcoin. And one of my takeaways was that like a lot of Bitcoiners were pissed off that the Ukrainian government um, started raising uh, money in Bitcoin. I was basically like, Bitcoin doesn't give a fuck. Like a lot of Bitcoiners were pissed that these altcoiners were raising Bitcoin. Bitcoin doesn't really care. Um, my, my point was that any kind of um, rational economic actor over the coming decade will adopt Bitcoin, regardless of 
who they are or who you care about. And I view that as pretty bullish. So that's, that's my general takeaway. Um, I think it was important to be, to not be, it was a tricky time because you had to be, if you were trying to explain that, you had to do it in a way where it didn't sound like you're promoting Luna or telling your followers to buy Luna, right? So there was a smattering of like, I don't know where everybody felt, where, where you all believe everybody fell on that scale, but certainly like it was, a, it was a highly discussed topic and everybody had a take on it, you know, for, for about a month. But generally speaking, my thought was, this is inevitable. Like all these fucking people are going to get into, are going to, are going to be attracted to Bitcoin at one level or another. And it doesn't matter whether they're a nation state you don't like, uh, or whether they're an army or, or whether they're an altcoin, a trash altcoin, or, or whether they're, um, uh, you know, a, a fortune 500 company that you don't like to me, it doesn't really matter. They're all going to be forced to over time, uh, adopt Bitcoin either in, in to denominate what they're doing or, or as a savings uh, asset. So that's kind of my take on, on, on the matter. Phil. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that. And you know what? It, it's very interesting that you mention um, the Bitcoiners and Luna um, just because I believe that we talked about it several months ago and we had announced, right, that they were going to have Bitcoin as part of their reserves. And I remember saying, make no mistake, it's a shitcoin at the end of the day. This is all just a gimmick to get you to trust that, that that's the way I, I see it. But to your point, right? If people really want to save at the end of the day, all of these companies, right, they may not say it out loud or anything like that. But in the background, they are going to be looking at Bitcoin and they're going to be saving in Bitcoin. Wait, but like, I guess the point is, of course, I, don't, I think there's a group of Bitcoiners who like were under no illusions. Obviously, it's a shitcoin. The yeah. question was, was it good for Bitcoin? Um, oh, yeah, no. Yeah. So the question was like, and, you know, I'll just say that some people were like, hey, I'm not going to name names, but some people were like, this is good for Bitcoin because it, it, it will, uh, you know, hey, look, they're going to buy more Bitcoin than Michael Saylor. You know, Nick Carter was actually like, nah, this is not going to be good for Bitcoin because it's eventually going to blow up. I was with Nick about a week ago. <laughs> And he was like telling me, no, this is so bad. Like for these reasons, like you um, can't back a fiat stable coin with Bitcoin. It doesn't work. And, you know, he listed all these reasons and it was very compelling. And then, of course, fucking two days later, the whole thing blows up. I mean, I, I don't even think he was one of the more prominent people explaining why it wouldn't work. And it's, it's not even like he was going to say it's going to blow up on Saturday like that. That I think very, very few people thought it would blow up now. I think that credit to him and many and many others in the Bitcoin community who were like, nah, this isn't going to work. Um, but I think it's a good lesson that, I mean, again, it's hard to argue that anything's bad for Bitcoin, right? It, that's a difficult argument. Um, and generally speaking, again, my observation was that this is just the beginning of a long-term trend of this whole space Um which I think is just going to increase. Like today you have, I, I was shocked. Like, I don't know when I last paid attention to like 4,000 cryptocurrencies a couple of years ago, apparently that was like 20,000 on coin market cap. All right. So most of these are 99.99999% of them are like floating space junk. I mean, they're just like, and, but <laughs> once humans realize they can just, when, when the three of us realize we can spin up money and then just like mint it and, and then like try to get some exchange to, to, to value it. Like that's, I don't think you can put that genie back in the bottle. Like I don't, like people will always seek 
immediate satisfaction. And they're try they're always trying to be hustling mm-hmm. for some sort of easy money uh, uh, edge. So it's going to be cyclical, in my opinion. But I don't I don't buy a future in five ten years where there's like less cryptocurrencies. Um, there will probably be just like a shit ton of them, and like they'll all be completely fucking useless and, and yep. have no value. Mm-hmm. Um, but but like I can't I can't imagine a world where like people don't continue to think up of new schemes. Like remember we had like Grin and like whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was like the Bitcoin friendly. No, no, no. Like so you're gonna have we're gonna go through whatever this cycle is, and then on the other hand. On the other side, you're going to have the next grin or whatever. Yep. And it's going to be like, oh, this is the like coin that Bitcoiners should, whatever. <laughs> so it's just so cyclical. I mean, it's so, so obviously cyclical. Um, so I think it's a good lesson, though, like as a reminder, like, y- you know, I've reflected on it, certainly. If you're, And if you're going to say this is part of hyper Bitcoinization or that it is inevitable that shit coins will, 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 will like you know, whether it's buy more Bitcoin or whatever. This is kind of EOS did this five years. Remember how EOS raised $4 billion? Absolutely. Yes. Guess what? EOS, you have nothing. EOS is now a dollar. And and, um, they have 100,000 Bitcoin. So, you know, you don't want to be giving your Bitcoin to anybody. Yeah, especially especially the enemy, man, because at the end of the day, that's what shit coins are. That's their enemies of Bitcoin. Just that's what they are. So I completely agree. Yes, you want to be careful, but I think there's like, um, I don't know. I, I, I think that there's different theories on this. I was talking with Carvalho today about this, and he, 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 he thinks that there's like essentially um, that, big, that shit coins are just competing with Bitcoin and they won't rely on them in any way. And I'm not, I'm not, I, haven't, I haven't quite gotten the full picture of what he envisions the world to look like in like 10 years, but I, I feel like it's kind of like he's saying that, that, these things are all going to go away or something like that. And, and sadly, I just don't think that's the case. I think that that's like mm-hmm. kind of naive to think if that's what he thinks that that we're not going to have shit coins in the future. I unfortunately think that's a sort of part of human nature. Um, <laughs> the, the good news is I think Bitcoin will become increasingly dominant and and widely used by everybody, whether you're a good faith businessman making a business that produces, you know, capital income and, and is growing and is providing jobs and stuff or whether you're a useless altcoin promoter it, it, like you're probably going to use bitcoin either way in the future and that's just something that i think is important to recognize that we're not going to get to control who gets to use bitcoin yep like, it's just through and, and if you if you believe in bitcoin you must believe in that right absolutely so it's right it's it's, well, it's a tough thing to wrap your mind around though right I mean, but it, it kind of functions the same, and this is the we always bring the analogy, which is it, it Bitcoin and it, it kind of functions the same way as freedom of speech, right? And there's a very, very famous Voltaire quote, right? Saying, I might not like what you have to say, but I'll die, trying, you know, defending it or something like that. And I think it 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 functions with that similar principles, right? You have to be okay with the fact that your worst enemy might use Bitcoin, and you have to be okay with. The fact that he should be able to transact, right? Because I don't think there's any other way. I'll leave it at that. Phil, it's time for the Daily Meme Review. Brought to you by Citadel 21. They make the best Bitcoin cultural zines, stories, articles, comics by actual Bitcoiners. This is pure 
pleb signal in here. Every volume has different artwork. This is the artwork for volume 10. This is the artwork for volume 11. It just dropped and they're scarce. There's only a thousand physical copies made per volume. So get your prints of Citadel 21 today before they run out. All right, everybody, welcome to the meme review where we review Bitcoin memes. Anyways, let's check out this first meme by the legendary Lena Sheesh. She's referencing the the, the current ca crash, and here are the plebs pulling it up. It's more like an artwork, this one. Uh, we got uh, the Bitcoin class of 2017. Class of 2017, class of 2022. The first cycle is always the hardest, and and, and this includes Sailor, by the way. Um, anyways, for second meme by, third meme by Dennis Hoddle. Do you remember when we called the 58 Kang Bears? I remember. <laughs> Oh man! All right, moving on to the next one. Uh, it's by Doc Bitcoiner. Uh, Eighteen hours ago, rip Bitcoin, and then a tombstone. Right? They always say Bitcoin's dead, but oh, Honey Badger always comes back. This is Crosis. They want to take your Bitcoin. Stay safe. Just hodl. Cord storage. Bitcoin plebs. Wall Street Titans. <laughs> Luna. There was a rumor around that Luna. Here, let me go back because Alex needed to see it. Yeah, I see it. I see it. Yeah. So there was a rumor that Luna was taken by BlackRock and some other, but that that ended up that ended up being not true. That's bunk. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. It was BS. Okay. So I wonder what the next shitcoin scam will be. Yeah, and this this is what Alex was talking about not too long ago, right? ICOs, DeFi, NFTs. What is next? Who knows, right? Um, next one by RD underscore BTC looks like the Bitcoin maxis are right again. Awesome RD. <laughs> All right, uh, last one by Honk Holden, Bitcoin plebs in 2045. I, I don't think this is the future that Alex envisioned, but I'll yeah, take it. <laughs> this is Honk's future. That he <laughs> the Fed, the Illuminati, the BlackRock. Okay, okay. Awesome memes. Thank you, plebs. Yeah. Appreciate it. Uh, for that, I'm going to give it Alex's book. Check your financial privilege. Look at, look at that artwork. It's very nice. That's my score. Alex, Thanks. what would you give those memes? Um, I would give a... Um a Bitcoin grenade. Ooh, that's, that's, what I would that's, our, that's our sponsor. You can take advantage of the promo code down below to get 5% off. <laughs> Phil, why would right, you give those kidding. memes? So, Zorn, Zorn gave me a hard time on my terrible meme score yesterday. So, I came prepared and I upped the game. I am giving it this piece of artwork from MV Dex. Oh. That's right. It's still in the wrapping, though, because I haven't hung it up yet. Very nice. Wow. You pulled out the big guns today, Phil. Right, anyway, I did. Anyways, guys, we want to know if you agree with our scores, disagree. Let us know down in the comment section. Make sure to subscribe to us on alternative video platforms like Rumble.com, personal favorite, BitcoinTV.com. They don't censor it because Bitcoin TV. And join our Telegram group where you can link us some awesome memes to review. But anyways, Phil, it's time for The Daily News. Brought to you by CryptoCloaks.com. They make some of the best 3D printed Bitcoin merch, like the famous 3D printed Bitcoin grenade toy comes in any custom color your heart desires. That's right. They even have it in gold. So you know this pisses Peter Schiff off. And they have these awesome 3D printed Bitcoin honey badgers. You can take advantage of the promo code down below to get 5% off CryptoCloaks.com. All right, guys. So Alex wrote this awesome book and... It's funny because we've actually been covering some of his articles that a lot of that content made it into the book. Correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, of course. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, uh, and we've been talking about this, the, you know, a lot of the naysayers, a lot of the people that go against Bitcoin, it, it, Alex says it perfectly, they come from a place of financial privilege. They don't live in a country where the currency is hyperinflating or they don't live in a country that is totalitarian. We've given you many examples, right? Either the Cubans, the Afghanis, the Venezuelans. That, the lunatics. You know, the, 
the lunatics, right? Uh, that the U.S. government decided that those people aren't worthy of having access to the global financial system. So, mm-hmm. right, that's where Bitcoin comes in. So, I'm going to read some of the passages very quick, and I'm going to ask Alex to elaborate a little bit of this. This is directly from the pre- the preface. Uh, I used mm-hmm. to say preface, and then Phil corrected me. Anyways, it says, From Sudan to Palestine, from uh, from Belarus to Nigeria, from the Congo to Cuba, tens of millions of people are currently using Bitcoin to escape from broken financial systems and lay the foundation for a brighter future for their families and communities. But as we enter 2022, it is still apparent that the mainstream media and political discourse does not understand or even acknowledge this phenomenon. Why is that, Alex? Um, So first of all, I think that when it comes to the media, uh, the media has... a mechanism inside of it that has prevented it from from like accurately covering bitcoin and and part of it is their their attempt to be ethical right so what has happened over the last decade is that like at major media publications um you weren't able to like hold and own bitcoin if you reported on it right so this resulted in some extremely salty reporters who who may have done some good reporting on bitcoin 10 eight seven six five years ago but because they weren't ever allowed to use it as money for themselves, um, they became really like sour about it over time, very salty. And this this partially explains why 95 plus percent of, of, of all mainstream media reporting in America, in Europe, in, in Asia, Africa, et cetera, uh, newspaper, radio, television, um, over the last decade has been hugely negative on Bitcoin, that it's dangerous, risky, uh, for criminals, going to kill the world, blow up, you know, good, you know, be, be too volatile, boil the oceans, wh- whatever. They, they've been like hammering this point home, um, which is crazy given that it, it, the reality is that it was dangerous and risky to not have Bitcoin. So um, I, I think that the media uh, is going to have a reckoning at some point. I mean, they 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 basically derailed um the world uh, on Bitcoin is I really mean, on, sad on a tragic. lot of things also. It's not well, on Bitcoin. a lot of other things, too. A lot of other things. Well, and it's like the Gelman amnesia thing where, like, you start to realize that they're wrong on Bitcoin and shit. Maybe they're wrong on, like, all these other things. Um, <laughs> no, the yeah. Internet just completely ripped the Band-Aid off, right? Uh, it was it was Jack Posobiec. He said something so fascinating, and I want to get your thoughts on this. He said uh-huh. that if social media was around in 2003, the U.S. wouldn't have been able to go to war in Iraq. Uh, I mean, and, maybe, and, man. And I, mean, maybe. I, I thought that was so insightful. So, Alex, on, in chapter. Oh, and just just to oh, just okay. so that's the media. But the, yeah. the banks and governments like they have a different um, agenda for um, going on the attack of Bitcoin because Bitcoin takes the power, their power away. So so they're going to be extremely self-interested to, to protect their proof of stake um, <laughs> or, you know, empire. Um, so yeah. You're saying there's like an evil alliance there, right? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's Bitcoiners versus the world, right? I mean, Bitcoiners that's... versus the world. Okay, so Alex, in chapter three, it's called The Hidden Costs of the Petrodollar System. Yeah. And a couple paragraphs down, it says, The world relies on the U.S. dollar and U.S. treasuries, giving America unparalleled and outsized economic dominance. 
kind mm-hmm. of exp- when you say that explains the 40 billion dollars that you know they're deciding to to send over to Ukraine mm-hmm. as of tw- uh, as of 2021 nearly 90% of international currency transactions are in dollars 60% of foreign exchange reserves are held in dollars mm-hmm. and almost 40% of the world's debt is issued in dollars even though the United States only accounts are for around 20% of global GDP. So I've read that, Alex, right? And what I'm thinking is that the U.S. government has a lot to lose and the people of the United States as well if the if the U.S. dollar loses global reserve uh, status. Do you believe that the U.S. government is going to fight Bitcoin because of that? You mentioned it earlier how Biden mm-hmm. and, and potentially uh, Janet Yellen could demonize self-custody at, or you know, perhaps the energy usage of, of miners. Do you think that's why they would do something like that? I think the narrative is going to change over time. I think that today, yes. Um, I think that elites who have benefited from the easy monetary policies of the last uh, 20, 30 years are going to fight it. Yes. I think that long term, though, I think Bitcoin's good for America. I, I've said this many times repeatedly. I, I think that Bitcoin resonates with America's founding values, not actions, but values. Uh, what is Bitcoin? It's free speech, property rights, and peer-to-peer global commerce. That's unstoppable. Those those vibe very well with America's founding values. If you read the Declaration of Independence or the, you know, the Constitution, etc. Um, if you look at a dictatorship like the CCP, uh, guess what? Guess what they need? They need censorship, confiscation, and closed capital markets. So Bitcoin just doesn't vibe well with them. So I think you're going to go through this initial phase of American policymakers not understanding what's going on and fighting Bitcoin. But eventually, there's going to be too many people in the U.S. government who who realize what's happening, whether it's Warren Davidson or Cynthia Lemus or Hester Peirce or, um, you know, you know, the mayor of Miami who's going to run for for president as a Republican candidate uh, or uh, Ted Cruz or um, any of these young Democrats uh, running all across the nation, like Eric Rhodes and all these other folks like there's just this wave of political interest. So I do think eventually, you know, Warren Davidson, I was on a panel with him and he told me that he he thinks this will like redeem America in many ways. And I, I, I think what happens is that we decide to lean into Bitcoin. We become a strong Bitcoin nation um our separated decentralized uh status with states and strong states rights i think really helps there because you're going to have competition for bitcoin mining bitcoin companies um i just see like a future where um 6102 is impossible given what satoshi gave us like it's just it's just not <laughs> some people will be dumb enough to keep you know or ignorant enough to to keep their, their bitcoin on coinbase or whatever but a lot of us won't be and we'll know. And, and the more we can educate people, the better. And then that 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 prevents us from getting sucked into the 6102 route. But I think we'll be able to fight that. Uh, I want to be optimistic about that. I have to be. We have to be because or else there's I mean, we're just toast. Um, I don't I don't I'm not so optimistic about friends of ours who live under dictatorships. I don't I don't I don't think it's going to go so well for them. Uh, it could be a lifeline. But like, I, I think that they're going to have to try workarounds, escape, hide. Um, it's going to be it's going to be rough. Um, but at the end of the day, it does provide that lifeline to, to, to anybody. And ultimately, I think that if America does go down this route, it becomes more of a, you know, an economy based on a Bitcoin standard or like, let's say a Bitcoin exchange standard, which would be kind of similar to Bretton Woods, where like maybe maybe there's a couple fiat currencies that the whole world uses, but they're, they're peg, pegged to like a redeemable rate where they can exchange a certain number of dollars for, for a certain amount of Bitcoin. 
um, then, then that kind of fixes what's been happening with the U.S. over the last five decades, which is this like insane um, debt issue, debt, debt problem that we have, um, because no matter how indebted we become, our currency remains strong because of the petrodollar euro dollar system like pe people need dollars. So once once that system's broken and, and the wheel breaks, um, we'll become more like a normal nation. Where, where if we are very indebted, our currency is going to get weak and then therefore our exports are going to get strong and we're going to have a rising middle class and manufacturing base again until our currency gets too strong and then then we weaken again. And, and this is a natural flow that happens with the other states and nations of the world. It happens with everyone except for us because we're like reserve currency. Well, I believe in a future where 20, 30 years from now, whenever it is, there is no country that has the reserve that issues the reserve currency. Bitcoin will be the reserve currency. So, I, I think it restores order. Uh, I think in America and in uh, in a sense of justice. And I honestly think I'm not I'm not someone who believes in redistributionism or anything like that. But I think America will be more, a little more equal. I think there'll be less grotesque and less grotesque inequalities. I mean, if you think about the pandemic, monetary policy, what happened in the last few years. The the point oh one percent got like so much richer, mm -hmm. and the average American didn't do well, right? And that that that's a product of monetary policy and of the Cantillon effect. I mean, you know, it, th there are other reasons for it, but that's one of the prime factors there. So once you remove that, um, I just am more optimistic about the future. So uh, I would say that yes, in the short term, Bitcoin is a threat to the existing system. But like a phoenix rising from the ashes, there will be there'll be a better system on, on the other side. So I hope that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And that makes me very bullish. And it sounds like Bitcoin <laughs> fixes this like like everything. I think Bitcoin fixes America. Yeah, it really does. So, Alex, in chapter four is called Bitcoin is a Trojan horse for freedom. By the mm -hmm. way, it's awesome article, Bitcoin magazine article. You should definitely check it out. Um, and one of the passages says, the financial establishment is simply beginning to like the way it looks. It promises great rich riches and that is no and that is no mirage. It will continue to deliver, but most of the elites do not realize what they are bringing into the inner sanctum. So could you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, when you see these billionaire guys go on TV and talk about Bitcoin and how they like it as a whether it's like Paul, right? <laughs> Uh, Paul Jones or, or Bill Miller or whatever. I mean, they they, re they realize what's happening. They realize like in the next decade, I'm sure Ray Dalio will eventually change his tune. He'll start saying, you know, Bitcoin or whatever. But the, these guys, these macro investors, that the, they they like it because because they think it's going to be a hedge against instability or you know fiat inflation, etc. They care less about the cypherpunks. They don't give a shit about. Uh, I mean, maybe they do, but like we should assume they don't care about privacy or our ability to protest the government or protect ourselves against government overreach or any of that stuff. I don't think that they care. Maybe maybe some of them do. Like maybe we start to think there are a couple billionaires out there, like maybe Dorsey and a few others who are like really like they get it, but we should just assume most of them don't. They're, they're gonna they're gonna want Bitcoin anyway because of the NGU part that, that that's that's all they care about. And look, over the next five, 10 years, they'll be richly rewarded. Like, you know, Bitcoin will continue to, to function that with its NGU property. But my argument is that it's connected to FGU, freedom go up. Like the more people who are in Bitcoin, the more resilient the network becomes, the harder it becomes to stop. The more talent flows in, the better UX the apps get, the more robust it becomes, the more features it gets. Um, I'm someone who believes that when we look back you know, in 2050, 
at you know the first 40 years of bitcoin or whatever and we think about who are the 10 most prompt you know important bitcoiners like probably like only two or three of them have even gotten involved yet in bitcoin like so the the more that it like compels the world the more talent and creativity comes into the space and the better it gets to use like we shouldn't forget that from 1997 to 2007 the internet went from a dial-up modem to the iphone so so we're going to go through that over the next decade like we're in like the iphone we're in like the dial-up stage of bitcoin right now like like you can sort of see where it's going right like we get the the, pre, the basic precept is there like you and i can communicate on the internet like with no ideally with no intermediary um and it's going to change the world that was that was like a, a you could you could have that conclusion in 95 like i was i was playing counter-strike in the late 1990s as a kid like I, I knew where we were going. Like we weren't going away from the internet, right? So now we know we're not going away from Bitcoin. We know it's going to change the world. We know the basic functionality of it. We can send, receive, do commerce, save without the state. Like we get that. But who the fuck knows what we're going to be able to do with it in 10 years, 20 years? I mean, it's just beyond our comprehension. So um, I, I'm very excited about that future. And that future will be ushered in by unwilling ushers is my point. Like the people who are going to pile a ton of money into this thing, a lot of them are going to be anti-freedom. I mean, look, we got, I would say we received a reasonable draw with El Salvador being the first nation state. I mean, I'm on record, obviously, as being very critical of Bukele, but I mean, it wasn't North Korea, you know, it wasn't <laughs> uh, Saudi Arabia, you know, uh, and, and we're and eventually I believe that all those states are eventually going to adopt. So we'll have to fight that battle later. But I mean, things are going to get dicey, like people who don't care about or even hate freedom will be forced to adopt Bitcoin is, is kind of my thesis there. And and I, I look forward to seeing that continue to play out uh, over the coming decades. Well, that made me incredibly bullish. Um, Phil, do you want to, I saw you get interested a little bit. Do you want to ask Alex a question before I read the next passage? No, actually, what I was doing was I was writing down all of Alex's quotes. There's, there's like four amazing things that uh, that that he said right there, and uh, and that's what I was doing. But um, I just wanted to go back to uh, one of the points that that you made, right, um, mm-hmm. about embracing FGU, Freedom yeah. Go Up Technology. So, okay, part of that, right? Part of that. What do you think, like? When these, okay, when places like North Korea reluctantly embrace it, what do you see are some of the challenges that they're going to have? Because I've played this over a thousand times in my head, and unfortunately, all I ever come up with is this general, well, the government's going to have to figure out a way to provide value. Like that's that that's like as far as my thinking goes. But like, what kind of challenges do you foresee with with them having to do this reluctantly? Because I'm also thinking like, do they come out straight out tell the people that they're hoarding Bitcoin? I mean, those are yeah. those are pretty communist, I, you know. Yeah, no, no, I think so. I think Chivo is helpful because it gives us a model of what governments might do. And I, I honestly think Chivo is probably the most, um, you know, let's say, I hate to say it, but more more towards the freedom friendly angle of or, or possibility of what other governments are going to do so i mean pro- the thing is bitcoin chivo is for, for all of its warts it's still connected to the open bitcoin network right like that's that's like it's not like the us government's going to come out with a fintech app and connect it to bitcoin that's just not happening so um i think when you look at russia that right before the war they they proposed a bill which obviously will get passed or whatever it's not like there's democracy and um 
basically like what, what, what you're looking at in Russia is a government that, that is okay with Bitcoin use, but it, every single transaction needs to be paired with identity. Uh, they want to control that. They want to create like white label Bitcoin, right? Like they want basically Chivo with no off ramps, right? So I think that that's the dictator model. Like you'll probably see is um, confiscation or theft of mining equipment so that states can use their monopoly of energy to mine. I think that's probably going to happen. Mm. Uh, as Safe Safety has said, though, that, that the state is not going to be very good at mining. Like usually, centrally planned, uh, you know, bureaucrats aren't very good in competing with the open market. So we'll see how how well they do there. Um, probably not that well, um, but they may do that. I think they're going to eventually wisen up and, and and save in Bitcoin, the reserves, essentially they'll, they'll, they'll be instead of FX reserves, instead of having dollars or yuan or whatever, they'll have some Bitcoin. Um, and then they'll try to like uh, fend off the inevitable wave of Bitcoin adoption by forcing people to use the state app with very harsh penalties if you're caught not using it. And that's kind of like, I think it's a dark future, but I think it's one we have to uh, admit may happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And, and I, I think you bring up a really interesting point about not letting people um, off of those ramps, right? Or essentially limiting the type of wallets that they can use, uh, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I can definitely see a bit of a, you know, a dystopian dark future for those yeah. for those countries, right? As they adopt Bitcoin. I mean, think about gold and the way that gold, gold was killed. Like, you know, the government managed to confiscate it all. And Essentially, they allow outside of holding, I mean, a smaller percentage of gold is, I think, held like, you know, in like in houses and jewelry and stuff like a huge amount of it is held in, by custodians. Right. And that stuff's rehypothecated. It's it's, you know, there's paper gold. I mean, we don't really know how, how much gold there is like in the hands of these organizations. And that that's allowed them to restrict the price of gold. I mean, quite obviously, um, depress it over time. So, you know, I think the governments are going to be, it's interesting with governments, you know, may, they may try to do something similar. The cool part is they, they can't because, because there is no, like, like the UK and the US basically got together and they put most of the world's gold uh, at the government level, like in, in, in Fort Knox and a few other places, right? That's not going to, you know, Bitcoiners uh, won't so easily give up. The, the cool part is there's a bunch of crazy Bitcoiners who probably hold I don't know, um, millions of Bitcoin uh, are in the hands of like true believers. Um, and yeah, the US government can scrap its, I mean, look, they could mine, look, most Bitcoin's been mined, right? So they could mine a little bit of Bitcoin, like relatively speaking, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, this is the, the good news is like, we, we got to like 18 or whatever million Bitcoin mined before governments got involved. Like that was key. Like that would have been really shitty if we'd only gotten like 1% of the way through and then they could mine 90% with their energy monopolies. The good fucking news is that the best they can do is mine a couple million out of the out of the and, and being a small part of what is out there and really they'll just be i mean even these evil governments the cool part is if they try to do like some sort of confiscation and mine bitcoin they're securing our bitcoin like they're, they're <laughs> like they're, they're working for us like as as people say they're slaves to the network so they're yeah. going to be willing slaves to the bitcoin network so i think that that's interesting to think about um, I don't think Bitcoin can fall the same fate as gold. I mean, we should definitely be adversarial and be vigilant and think about how it could fail. But look, man, it, it was designed to not to, to to not fall the fate of gold. And it's really up to us as Bitcoiners and you guys as educators to remind people to to hold their own Bitcoin. And if if 
if enough people hold their own Bitcoin, I mean, it is going to be really freaking tough to stop. I mean, that that's that's the truth of it, man. I, I tweeted that the other day. I said taking Bitcoin into self custody is revolutionary in nature. If enough, that's the revolution, man. If enough people do it, we win. So, Alex, one yeah. last question, sure. And I have to give a little bit of context. So, it's from the chapter "The End of Super Imperialism." I'm going to read a passage. It says the unique ability of the U.S. government, Hudson says, to borrow from foreign central banks rather than from its own citizens is one of the of the economic miracles of of modern times and mm-hmm. when i read that i connected with a, a buddy of mine right with someone i grew up with i've been trying to orange pill him for five years but he works at goldman and i and i always wonder like why you know why does he not understand and he brought up yeah. a really good example the other day he said he said nico imagine if we went through the pandemic and the federal reserve wasn't allowed to print the way it does it did it would have been catastrophic so i think it comes from you know the keynesian perspective on the economy rather than you know the 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 austrian which is like look there's there's market cycles it is what it is you just have to let it crash and from the ashes new businesses are born so but i think he had a point in the fact that maybe maybe right the federal reserve's ability to print soften the blow for some people right and you know and they, they just outsourced all that debt what are your thoughts on that alex is was that a good thing was that a bad thing i think right now we're, we're starting to experience the hangover as the you know the federal reserve starts to raise rates but what are your thoughts on that what would your response be to someone in his position the super imperialism quote and and chapter really discusses this incredible thing uh that the u.s government pulled off i, I don't think in I don't think they knew it would happen back then when they first did it, but through the petrodollar pact, which I cover, and then through the fact that as a result of the petrodollar system, uh, the U.S. dollar became like the, 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 the most desirable financial collateral in the euro dollar system uh, and in the financial markets. We've built this like uh, unstoppable kind of train that just like runs itself. Like it, it, it's got this, to be fair, very genius dynamic where it forces other nations to need our fiat money that we can print for nothing. So th- they they have no choice but to fund our wars and our inefficient social programs and all that stuff because they need our dollars and they, they as rational economic actors, they want our debt more than any other country's debt. Um, and, and that was uh, something that was a political um, creation. Now, it, it later picked on a life of its own. And now it's just like, obviously, you'd rather have dollars than like Sudanese pounds or whatever. Um, but it, 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 that was a political creation. And I think that when you look at someone who, who's basically supporting what you said, your, your friend or whatever, that supports this idea of like this system being beneficial, um, you have to look at who's benefiting qui bono. Right. And, and yeah, Goldman Sachs has certainly benefited. Um, big banks have benefited. The moral hazard has been removed. They don't have to be that careful anymore. They know that there's going to be a fed put or a bailout, um, so it makes their life much more cushy. It's basically like they're bowling and they have, you know, um, rails on the sides. Now they can't go in the gutter, <laughs> like literally, literally, it'd be very hard to go in the gutter these days. Right. Um, I mean, look at what happened in March, 2020, as you say, in, in a traditional business cycle, guess what? Like, but the bond market is like a organism and it, it, it sensed disaster. Like it, it, forget like your views on the virus or whatever, it it sensed that the world was going to contract and depress and deflate. And, you know, therefore bonds started to lose value, stocks, et cetera, started to lose value. 
So the Fed came in artificially, right, and, and disrupted that natural cycle and tried to prop it up and backstop the credit markets and the bond markets and stock markets and stuff like that, right, um, in an unnatural way, right? Um, well, guess who benefits from that? Again, we have to think. The elites, uh, it's all cancel on effect stuff, like all the 1%, you know, 2%, whatever. Um, so uh, for some people, inarguably, the post-71 political economy has been amazing. If you work in defense or finance or uh, real estate or whatever, like, I mean, it's been really good for you. If you're a coastal elite in the United States, someone like me, right? Um, most of my friends, like they've done very well. Um, but if you're not, if you're like a working class manufacturing uh, industry kind of like family in America, or if you're an emerging market country, et cetera, et cetera, maybe it hasn't been so great. Like maybe, maybe your, your living standards have been like, kind of like actually, uh, essentially stagnant uh, maybe your wages haven't gone up that much. Maybe things are getting more expensive. Um, so I think it just depends on who you are. I mean, it's a very, like, again, the petrodollar system and the strong dollar and the $30 trillion in debt we have, have absolutely benefited people and they've been, they've helped the U S government do things that would un, un, otherwise unable to do, be doing like, for example, run very costly forever wars in Asia and in other exotic places that have, that the average American doesn't even know are happening. That's only possible with the fiat system. So I think that, um, again, many people have benefited from this, including the fi financial sector. If you look in the seventies, financial sector was like less than 10% of the economy. Now it's like 20, more than 20%. So, you know, we're, the economy is moving away from productive capital and, and businesses that actually produce good things that people use. And it's moving to financialization, which is just this endless shell game, which, which isn't in the end of the day, that much different from what Luna was. Right. Um, so the, so the question is, you know, where do we go from here? And I think the best recommendation is to read Alan Farrington and Sasha Meyer's book, uh, Bitcoin is Venice, because it, it's an incredible tome, uh, hundreds of pages that are very dense, but very enlightening on what that future might look like and, and why doesn't the current system work and why isn't this actually capitalism? So that's my kind of closing thought is to, to go read Bitcoin is Venice. It's an incredible work. So awesome. that's what I would say. Appreciate it. Oh, well, guys, that was the news. Phil, there was an open source software release today. Why don't you tell everybody about it? Software releases brought to you by CypherSafe. Check them out. CypherSafe.io. Don't trust your seed to that flimsy little piece of paper that you get with your hardware wallet. Store your seed in the Cypher wheel or the all-new Cypher grid. They both come with a tamper-resistant wire and the grid comes with a punch tool. All right, we've got Galoi Money version 0.1.129 that was released. It just released today. The link is down below in the show notes. Guys, don't forget to check us out on our audio-only platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. If you want to stream us sats, check us out on fountain.fm. You could stream us sats through Breeze. Awesome. Thank you, Phil. All right, guys, before we go, I want to give a very quick shout out to our clothing sponsor, RepresentLTD.com. Phil and I wear the hoodies every single day. They're coming out with Simply Bitcoin merch and Bitcoin merch. Definitely go check it out. You can take advantage of the promo code down below. I also want to give a very, very special shout out to our awesome guest, Alex Gladstein. He's the Chief Strategy Officer at the Human Rights Foundation. You can go give him a follow on Twitter at Gladstein and definitely go check out his book. If you want to know more about what we were talking about in the news, it's called Check Your Financial Privilege. It's on Amazon. It's a great book. Anyways, guys, that was our show. If you enjoyed the show, you know what to do. 
Subscribe to Simply Bitcoin. And we'll see you tomorrow, guys, for a brand new episode. To quote our awesome guest, the more Bitcoin compels the world, the more talent comes into the space. We'll be right back.